That is the noise I imagine was playing when I was presented with my Most Engaged Listener Award. So I just wanted to thank you for that honour. Um, I would like to thank Anchor and all of the listeners. Um, I'd like to thank my family, my agent, um, the internet. Um, oh, who else could I thank? I'm just so emotional right now. Um, this means such a lot to me. No, I'm joking. Uh, seriously, Chris, thank you so much. It's really nice that you um, acknowledge your Most Engaged listeners hey this is chris hope you're doing well and welcome to popcorn finance where we discuss finance and about the time it takes to make a bag of popcorn the voice you just heard at the beginning of the show that was emily and she was calling into the popcorn finance anchor station and she was one of our most engaged listeners and i just put a call out there saying that anyone who was named most engaged listener to call in and accept the award as if it was a real award like a like an academy award and that's exactly what emily did so i think she did she did an amazing job uh, and if you want to know a little bit more about the anchor station you can go to popcorn finance.com slash anchor. In this week's episode, we're going to pick up where we left off a couple of weeks ago. Uh, in episode 32, my wife Kay joined me on the podcast to help me share our debt story. And this is all a continuation of the previous episode where Liz Weston was on and we were talking about the power of, of sharing your debt story. And I figured, why not share my own? And so my wife came on and we were just beginning to talk about the struggles we dealt with, how we got into over $27,000 in debt. And this is just a continuation of that conversation. So if you haven't heard part one, please check it out. Just go to popcornfinance.com slash three, two, and there you'll find uh, the beginning of our conversation, pick up where we left off, and then you can come back and then jump into this one. So I won't waste any more of your time. We're just going to jump into part two of our conversation. For us, it's probably one of the few times we've ever even talked about this together. We didn't really talk about it then, and I don't really think we've talked about it since then. So I mean, how did you feel like during this time? Because I don't think I ever asked. <laughs> I felt stressed, but I don't think it was anywhere near as bad stress as you were. I felt like for me, I'm not really your focus is finance with work and just your background. So for me, it wasn't really on my mind as much as it should have been. But I definitely felt the pressure from you and the, the reality of the seriousness of the situation really started to sink in of this is going to take a long time to get rid of. This is going to take work and effort to, yeah. to make it go down. Yeah, true. It, it was, I think seeing that number and then realizing how much we could actually pay towards it, it really hit me. And I was like, this is going to take, at least in my mind, I was like, this is going to take forever because I mean, I think at the time we were maybe paying, like around seven, eight hundred dollars a month towards the debt, and our rent was only I think eight hundred dollars. So we were paying just as much towards debt as we were paying towards rent. And in my mind, I was like, I would love to live in a bigger place in a, a different area, but I was like, this debt is eating up so much of the money. You know, we could afford somewhere twice as as nice or twice as expensive at least at least as uh, where we're living, but not with this amount of debt that we have. So I, I know that was. That was rough. And it's interesting to hear your your take on it. I didn't really know too much about, you know, what you thought about it. 
And I think that's one of the things I wish we would have done more is talk and kind of communicate about it. Cause I think I held on to a lot of stress and pain and frustration. And I know I, it made me resentful at the time because when you don't talk, it feels like you're dealing with it alone. And I wish I would have brought it up to you before. Cause I think we've talked about at least that part since then, but if you don't talk about it, you kind of just live in your own head and deal with all the, the negative thoughts you have. Right. Yeah. I definitely would say that we didn't communicate. And that's something that I feel we've been working on in the recent past. But definitely while we were going through and really trying to tighten up the way we spent, we, we weren't really communicating all that well. And I think being focused on it, I know now that it it did make you very resentful and you felt like you were alone and I I felt bad actually because I felt like I could have been doing a lot more and not be so reckless and contribute more and I think that was a hard part too is when you're when we're spending we're still we're still spending that was the problem we were still like using credit cards and spending and then trying to pay down at the same time is not a very effective strategy. (laughs) And so I know not just you, but you know, myself as well, you want to still enjoy life. You're like, I still want to go out and eat at this restaurant and I still want to buy this or go on this trip or do whatever, even though we couldn't afford it because we clearly didn't have the cash, but it's kind of hard to, you know, you think you're, you feel like you're depriving yourself and it's kind of hard to, to do that. I don't know how you felt about that. It is difficult because it's difficult, especially when you're not really seeing that um, example of saving or only spending money that you do have. And it's easier to be a little more reckless and not so cautious of and intentional in spending your money like that. Yeah, no, it's true. I know um, for my family, you know, I appreciate them. I love them, but money wasn't one of the things that we talked about. I think that's one of my primary reasons for going into finance when I got into school was I took a class. It was like an intro to finance. And I was like, I don't know any of this stuff. I never heard or learned any of these things. And it was really interesting and fascinating to learn about it. So I think that was for me, what made, what, what pushed me towards it because I didn't learn any of that at home and everything I know I had to learn, you know, on my own. And so since I didn't learn the basics of finance, I definitely didn't learn how to talk about it and how to manage it with another person and, you know, what you should and shouldn't be doing. You know, I knew the book stuff, but I didn't know the real life applicable stuff. Right. And that's always much more difficult. The theory versus reality. Yeah. <laughs> and I know when we were talking, you were saying kind of something similar about you and your family about talking about money and things like that. Yeah, no, I, th- I feel that um, some things were just very difficult to talk about or maybe my family just didn't think it was appropriate for kids, you know, to be involved in. Um, and I think that's sometimes the route that parents take to protect their children or um, kind of preserve their innocence or just not so that they're not so stressed about the reality of, you know, the situation. And I know my parents did and still do the best that they can to help provide for us and, and be there and support us, you know, the best that they can. Yeah. 
And my family, I, I think a lot of times it was, it's none of my business. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a question. That's the response I always got when I would ask questions. It was none of my business. <laughs> my parents are they're from the South. At least my dad grew up there. My mom was just born there. But yeah, they have that mentality of this is a kid's place. This is an adult's place. <laughs> you stay over there in your place. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. <laughs> and, and we'll handle this. So, I mean, obviously, they, you know, they cared about us. and They did the best to take care of us. But we didn't we didn't get that conversation. No. And I, I feel that some some conversations, they're just difficult to have with your children to be upfront and honest about where you guys are financially. It's, it's not an easy conversation to have. True. Yeah, no, that, that is true because I don't even, I never hang around kids. There's no young kids in my family. So when, that, when I'm around like your family and young kids, I don't know what to say to them. So <laughs> I can't imagine having like a money, like a personal money conversation and giving them my details. So I kind of get where my parents are coming from. It's like, you know, it's already probably uncomfortable. And then you're kind of like, well, why would I share these intimate details with a, a kid? That's probably the thought. Yeah. So, okay. Well, we're talking about, you know, there's all this money that we spent during this <laughs> this spree, this living large, not it's not really large, but living large spree. I was kind of thinking like, out of all the money we spent, out of those thousands of dollars, what was the thing that we enjoyed the most? Or like, was there a favorite thing that you spent? Because I know this is not a good topic. I mean, this is a hard topic to talk about. And there's not very many fond memories I have of being in debt, but... <laughs> The one thing I was trying to, to think of to kind of put a spin on it, to, to think of something positive during this time was what did I buy that I, I really enjoyed? And so I'll, I'll go first to give you time to think about it. For me, it was I leased an infinity. <laughs> Why? I don't know. But I bought a car and I was having issues with it. And it was like, you know, I was like, this is going to be a lemon. This is going to be a problem. Do I want to be stuck with this car forever? I probably should have just kept that car. It would have definitely been paid off by now. But I was like, you know what? Oh, I'm not going to hold on to this. But what other car would I get? And I always wanted an Infiniti. I think it was like a G35. I love that car. I was like, I love the way it sounds. I love the way it looked. I'm always into speed. I like driving fast. I was like, I'm going to get it. I can't afford it, so I wasn't going to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, you know what I'll do? I'll lease it. It was the first time I'd ever leased a car. And I was like, oh, the payments are only like $360. I can afford that. And so I leased it. And I think it was like a two-year lease. And it was a lot of fun to drive. But probably like a month into owning it, maybe even less than that, I realized that it, it you kind of get over it. It wasn't all I thought it was going to be. It didn't, I guess, give me as much enjoyment as I thought owning this car would. <laughs> and so I basically went through the rest of the lease being like, I probably should have just bought a car, but I guess I'll enjoy this <laughs> while I while I can. But it was it was fun, you know. It's it's you get this rush of pulling up in a car and people looking at you a certain way, and I think that's maybe that's why people buy those cars, those type of cars. Like you get like this, people kind of look at you differently when you pull up in a, a nice car. Definitely. I remember you drove it one time to school, and you, <laughs> oh my you, God. and you want to tell the story of, of how people reacted when you went to school in that. They were going crazy they were like screaming and oh my gosh look at you and completely treated me differently than they had ever treated me before and this is you look so good in it it's like it was an accessory I was so surprised and I was just like it's a car <laughs> it's crazy but then even though you know this is just a car it still feels good right like that attention feels good and it's like 
you want to hold on to it, but at the same time, you you know it's like this is a lot of money. Yeah, I think that feeling where people treat you better than they would if you were <laughs> pulling up in a different vehicle is it it kind of makes you feel good, which is kind of sad. <laughs> it is when we roll up in your Prius now, we don't get treated the no, same way. <laughs> no, <laughs> we definitely don't. <laughs> and I know when the lease was up. And I think at that point, we had already made the decision to do better financially. I I, I turned it in and it was like I had nothing to show for it. And it was kind of like, well, that's over. Time to come back to reality. And <laughs> But, but what, what about you? What, what, is there anything you could think of that you really enjoyed that we bought or did during that time? Um, Honestly, I don't think that there's anything that I can materialistically say that we bought that I can even there's nothing I really have to show for any of that spending um besides the memories of like going places like you said eating out going on vacations and trips and different things like that I I really enjoyed spending the money on (laughs) vacation (laughs) and that good old quality time with money that really isn't ours (laughs) you know I was just thinking about that because once we paid off the debt and we, you know, we're trying to still live financially, you know, responsible, uh, responsibly, <laughs> whatever that <laughs> word is. Um, I know for me, when I got so tight on the budget, I think our time together kind of suffered because for us, that was our thing to do was to go out and eat. And then there wasn't really anything that replaced it. And then I know it was kind of a, a struggle for me to loosen up and start spending money to do things because it was after living years of trying to pay off debt and then, you know, watching everything you do, it's kind of hard to turn it back on and say, you know, Oh, let's go out and do something. So, um, I get what you're saying. Cause that was a lot of fun. And I did enjoy doing that too. <laughs> was there any place in particular that you liked going or like eating or doing? Uh, just trying new restaurants, but I really enjoyed our trips up North and kind of road tripping it up there to San Francisco Bay area type of thing yeah no that was nice that was one <laughs> <laughs> and i remember too we got those passes to universal studios true yeah so we did that <laughs> yeah we we did do little excursions but at the same time we we found ways to spend quality time together and then when we focused on paying our debt off we kind of just abruptly stopped all of that <laughs> yeah which i wouldn't necessarily advise um i would advise maybe finding more creative ways to do something frugally together. True. And I think too, it's well, something that I learned after the fact is that it's very difficult to try to live a very restricted life and never enjoy anything. And I wish I would have set up maybe like a, like a small amount to set aside so that we could do things together. Mm-hmm. Cause I think I completely eliminated all of that from the budget. Like yeah. it was just like all our money is going to live and eat and then everything else is going to, to debt, basically. Yes. And so I wish I would have maybe put a little more wiggle room in there. Because we didn't, I don't think we bought anything for a couple years. Like, very minimal things were ever bought. Yeah. And I think you end up, like, you get so restricted that all of a sudden you, like, make, like, this splurge out of nowhere. Yeah. Because you you feel so deprived. <laughs> so maybe that's a tip is even if you're in a very tight situation, budget something it doesn't you know it doesn't have to be thousands of dollars and maybe no. budget you know 20 bucks 40 bucks a month something and do something that you enjoy to kind of keep yourself 
motivated and functioning. Right. And happy. <laughs> and, and happy. Because I don't think there was a lot of happiness happening during the time we were super focused on paying down debt. Okay, so I think this is a good place to take a break, and we'll be back with the third and final part of our debt story in a couple of weeks. But in the meantime, if you're enjoying the show and you want to keep up with what's going on, subscribe. That's the best way to get the latest episodes of the podcast. And a little bit of big news for us here. The Popcorn Finance Podcast can now be found on the Spotify and TuneIn app. So if those are platforms that you enjoy using, you can now find the podcast there and and listen through those apps. So so it's good to see the podcast appearing in more places. It's just going to help us grow and continue to you know, move this thing forward. And as always, you know, leave a review if you like the show. Uh, that also will be a good way to help us gain exposure. Also, to keep up on what's going on with the show or just to see some random memes, you can follow the podcast at Popcorn Finance Podcast on Instagram and at Popcorn Finance on Twitter and Facebook. And as always, I appreciate you joining me for another bag of popcorn. I hope you have an amazing rest of your week and I'll talk to you soon.